Hi there, Grace Vineyard. Sandy again. Uh, last week, uh, Jill pointed out that Advent is a time of waiting and preparation for Christmas. As we approach Christmas, we're looking at three topics which are central to the Bible. Faith, hope and love. Last week, Jill looked at faith. Today, I'm going to explore hope. Jesus' birth of course brought hope into the world. He came to a broken world to mend it. We're not the first ones to experience this broken world. This is what Lamentations 3 says, starting verse 20. I'll never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for sal salvation from the Lord. And it is good for people sub to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. Let them sit alone in silence beneath the Lord's demands. Let them lie face down in the dust, for there may be hope at last. This year has been very difficult for all of us. We faced problems that we didn't envisage before they came uh, on us. Who would have dreamt of the insecurity, isolation, uncertainty that we're in now? It's certainly not a year that any of us hoped for, and as the year's gone on, it's got harder. We hoped that things would get better, but instead they've dragged on and in some ways got worse. We have a virus that continues to separate and isolate us. It not only threatens our health and mental well-being, it threatens our economy and our jobs. It interrupts and disturbs education and socialising. It basically threatens the way that we were used to living. We have to adapt and be patient. There's an awful lot of waiting. We're all trying to find ways to cope with the uncertainty and the fear that all this brings. Mental health issues are still rising in a world that's losing hope. I face despair and anxiety like I've never faced before. When will all this trouble and hardship end? We live in a world that's not only facing COVID-19 and all the economic uncertainty that that's bringing. The country's got record debts because of it. But we've also got Brexit, global warming, terrorist extremists to consider. We live in an age of fake news or alternative truth. That just breeds paranoia and mistrust. Can you believe the things that you're being told anyway? Everywhere you look, there are people in need, people suffering. Angry, frustrated people are demanding that their needs are met now. People are fed up with restrictions and they're deciding for themselves how to interpret what the government wants you to do, just to suit what they want to do. What can you believe in and what can you hope for? I guess that we're all hoping that the new vaccines will bring some sort of normality back to the world as soon as possible.
Hope is a word which has a different meaning when we read it in the Bible from what we generally understand it to be used in the context of this world, the world that we live in. When someone tells you that they hope to do something, you understand them to be saying that if all goes well, then this will happen. It's wishful thinking. It's what we want if all goes to plan. I looked up the word hope in a dictionary and this is the meaning it gave me. Hope. A feeling of expectation and a desire for a particular thing to happen, i.e. it's wishful thinking. But then there was a second meaning, which it labelled as archaic. And this old meaning is how we should read hope when we read it written in the Bible. The second meaning is this, a feeling of trust. Did you hear that? A feeling of trust. When we read the word hope in the Bible, it's, it's this understanding of, of a certain trust that we should have because of the person who gives us the hope. God is someone whose promises we can trust. If God says it, then you can rely on it. It will happen, no question. There's no doubt or wishful thinking involved. A promise is only as good as the person who gives it to you. You may not see it yet, but God has promised and God will deliver. The Bible is a book full of hope. In the UK, we live in a secular society, but its basic values were built on Christian teaching. Christianity brought hope into our world. But as man became more and more enlightened and increasingly rejecting God and going his own way, we're left with a hope with nothing to back it up apart from wishful thinking. 1 Timothy 6.17 says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. If you look at any of your British banknotes, you'll find a promise. It's a promise to pay the bearer the sum that's written on that type of bank note that it represents. That promise used to be backed up in gold. The Bank of England used to have a huge pile of gold, but that got sold off when the government needed some more cash a while back. All we have now is the promise with nothing to back it up. In the last few years, I've experienced a house flood and a workplace fire. They brought it home to me that life and this world are very fragile. You can't put your hope in what you have. It can be lost very quickly. Romans 8 is a chapter where Paul explains what our hope is. And for time's sake, I'm only going to read part of it. But please go back to Romans 8 and read the whole chapter in your own time. It starts with a section about living by the Spirit within us. We all have this inner battle of who is in control. We see man's basic selfishness rising up in the attitudes which bend or break the government advice. Man is rebellious. You can submit to your selfish nature to please yourself 
or choose to listen to the Spirit's prompting. Serve God and others. Surrender to God is not easy. It's not something to be fearful of either. God has got your best interests at heart and your happiness. God isn't a tyrant and you don't have to fear that he'll make you do everything that you hate to do. He's not like that. God understands that I'm not a confident person. I don't have self-confidence. I don't like adventure. I don't believe that he'll ask me to be a missionary in some hot, insect-ridden, dangerous place because he understands how much I'd struggle. But he does ask me to do things that I wouldn't choose to do, like this, talking in front of others, even if it is a recording. I struggle with it. But he does ask me to do things that I wouldn't choose to do. I have to battle my natural shyness and my lack of self-confidence. But that's where the Holy Spirit steps in to help me along the journey. While I've had to shield at home and isolate, there's part of me that just wants to hide away and keep quiet. I've battled against becoming a recluse. God made us all for community. And if I keep quiet, then I rob you of any wisdom that God might have imparted with me. I force myself each day to communicate with others when I often don't feel like it. God helps me and enables me, but I have to choose to cooperate. God made me an encourager, so I have to pass on the encouragement that he gives me, not hoard it up for myself. Love is something that only works if you give it away. It needs community to work. Please do come to church, but come to give as well as to receive. To gain everything that really matters, you have to lose everything that doesn't matter. God wants our obedience motivated by love friendship with him, not because God's a power freak. If you only obey God because of the benefits that you expect him to give you, then you'll be disappointed. Friends work together for the common good. The second section of Romans 8 is where Paul talks about a future glory. And he says that all of creation is groaning in hope to be liberated from a bondage of decay that the world is in brought by sin. The selfish preoccupation that we all battle with. We will, of course, only win that battle by submitting to the Holy Spirit's help. Paul uses the analogy of childbirth. Childbirth is something that I don't really have fond memories of, really. Both our children had emergency deliveries that were scary, painful times. I had no control over what was happening. All I could do was hold Sue's hand and pray, leaving what was happening to experts and praying that God would guide them. You see the fruit of those uncertain hours in my lovely Sarah and Sam, but their coming into the world wasn't a particularly present experience for me, and I was just the father watching it happen. So let's read the last part of Romans 8 together, remembering that although the word hope is not used in this passage, it's explaining what our hope is. So Romans 8 
starting at verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he didn't even spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. Won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ died for us and was raised to life for us. He's sitting in the place of honour at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, Overwhelming victory is in ours through Christ, who loved us. For I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, or our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above, or in the earth below. Indeed, Nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That first verse, Romans 8.28, is an often quoted verse and it can easily be used out of context. The simplified version, which is sometimes used, says that when God allows something, then it means that he's got something better for us. So, yes, but no. The simplified version says that a young girl is hit by a speeding car, but that leads to a new law giving harsher penalties to reckless drivers. Is that sort of thought supposed to bring comfort to grieving parents? Nothing's going to bring back that daughter. The parents have got to live with the loss of their daughter for the rest of their lives. You have to read verse 28 continuing into verse 29. Bad things sometimes are simply bad, but God can use them to bring good. God can redeem bad things, even though they remain painful in themselves. It says God works things together in the context, this passage says that God will help us become more like Jesus. If you read it into verse 29, it says that if we allow him, God will use the circumstances to make us more Christ-like. 
Because God rejected Jesus while he took the sin punishment on the cross, the punishment that we deserved, then God will never reject us. Jesus broke the sin barrier so that we can have intimate relationship with God forevermore, just like God originally intended. God wants our obedience motivated by love friendship with us, not because he's a power freak. If you only obey God because of the benefits that you expect him to give you in return, then you'll be disappointed. Friends work together for a common good. Although standalone verses sound like God will protect you from all danger, if you read them in their fuller context, then you'll, you'll find that all he promises to do is to stand with you in danger. There was an American preacher in the 1700s called Jonathan Edwards, and he, he summed up this last bit of Romans 8 with these three things. He said, firstly, our bad things will turn out for good. Secondly, our good things can never be lost. And thirdly, the best things are yet to come. So our bad things will turn out for good. Our good things can never be lost. And the best things are yet to come. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. And that's only because of the rejection that Jesus took for us, that God will never reject us. This is something that God has promised, so it's certainty. God wants to help you navigate this world. Instead of concentrating on problems, please remind yourself daily about things that are good, things that God's blessed you with. We've all got many things to be thankful for. Gratitude is a healthier option for all of us, it's good for you. But sadly, in this materialistic world, the more you have, the more you seem to want. But please stop and consider what you have. I've urged you before to watch videos on YouTube. There are videos there, people that hear for the first time, or people that put on glasses that, color, that correct colour blindness. Watch these videos and see the wonder that these people experience about something that we just take for granted. When was the last time you stopped to consider being able to hear or stopped to think about the beauty of colours? It's so easy to forget the simple things of life because you're used to them. Please stop every day and think about the simple pleasures of life that you have the richness that this world can give you. You may not be rich compared with many people around you, but you're well up the ladder of the rich people in the world. Believe me, in South London, you've got it easy. This world is a hard, cruel place. So many are scraping an existence. Be grateful for what you have rather than fretting over what you want or what you may have lost. No matter what this world throws at us, we're going to end up with eternity with God. God has promised, so it's certainty. Johnny Rose apparently has a phrase that says this, Whatever happens, God wins. So we hang on to the promises of God. Whatever happens, 
God will deliver because God is true to his word. That doesn't make living through hardship easy. You may have heard the phrase, you can't polish a turd. There's also an add-on for that now. But you can roll it in glitter. Sparkly or not, a turd is always a turd. Life hurts. God doesn't expect us just to ignore that fact. God doesn't want us to stuff things. He cares about how you are and he wants you to express your feelings to him. Don't stuff them. Read the Psalms. You'll find that they're full of lament and suffering. Songs crying out about how cruel and painful life can be. The psalmists cry out to God, and we should too. But the psalms are also full of thanksgiving, and most of them lead to praise. We should express our pain to God and not pretend it doesn't matter, but we should constantly remind ourselves of the good that we have and the good that's to come. If you read Psalm Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, you'll find there's a phrase that's repeated several times. It's this, it says, My soul, why my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. The psalmist's acknowledging that he's depressed, but he reminds himself where to put his hope. Sometimes you have to speak to your soul to remind yourself of the truth. Hopefully this will lead you to praise and give you a joy which can carry you through the present painful time. Life will hurt, but God wants to help you through what you're going through now and the future's bright. He will give you the strength to endure anything you face. If you read Philippians 4, the central verse is this one. It says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This verse is at the end of a section where Paul's explaining that he's learnt contentment in any situation, in bad situations as well as good. Paul knew that regardless of the circumstances, God would give him the strength to make it through. Remember the source of your strength, it's God. Our culture encourages us to strive for more. It tells you that things will satisfy you, career, marriage, family, houses, possessions. There's no denying that these things do bring some pleasure. I'd be classed as successful in the ways of the world, but things do not bring lasting satisfaction. Their pleasure subsides and then you strive for the next thing. If you read what Solomon wrote, He makes a long list of all his wealth and his achievements and then he calls them vanity, empty. Don't waste your hope in what you have or what you want. Put your hope in God. He loves you and accepts you. You don't have to earn his love, you already have it. He wants to help you and empower you through life. Partner with the Holy Spirit and submit to his lordship of your life because God's got your best interests at heart. 
allow God to use trouble that will come to make you more like Jesus. Romans 5, 3-5 says this, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Whatever happens, you'll be with God in a place that is better than you can ever imagine, heaven. Heaven is being in God's company. You can choose to start heaven with a small h down here, if you choose to trust that God is with you in the present world. As we celebrate Christmas differently this year, it may not be what you wanted, but stop to remember where to centre your hope, where your hope is coming from for the new year. Jesus came to earth to bring us new hope. Remember that even if the present is bleak and uncertain and painful, God loves you and dearly wants to help you. Ultimately, the future is bright, so hang on. We have a certain hope in God. God keeps his promises, trust him. I'm going to end with a prayer that Paul makes about hope, and it's written near the end of Romans. This is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Happy Christmas.